Welcome to Bangor Community Church Podcast. We pray that you will be blessed today as you hear the Word of God.
thank you for your word this morning, Holy Spirit. We receive that word. We receive that word in this house this morning. We receive it. We thank you for it. We thank you for it, Lord. We tell you how much we love you. I'm so thankful that you would put your hand in this house. And that you would have each of us part of this house. We thank you. We thank you for your plan. We thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord, that it is meat to us, Lord God. I thank you, Father. It, it lights our way. It guides us. I thank you for the revelation that it brings. And we give you praise and we give you thanks, Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Amen. Praise God. Well, it's good to see many of you today. I haven't seen some of you for a number of weeks. It's good that you're in the house the Lord this morning and um, I had God had given me a word for this morning the prophetic word already has come forth and uh, I think some of that spoke about glory I can't remember when the prophetic comes forward that's why it's always good to have everything recorded I take everything's being recorded back there um, because you want to go over and hear the prophetic and when you go again you hear oh even if you're the one saying it, there's Maria's nodding. You're the one saying it. Oh my goodness. So always pay attention when the Lord speaks. Always pay attention. And if, if you're the best that he uses, go back and hear it again. If it's there, go back and hear it again. So God wants to get us in a position so we can carry more glory. And basically that is the message for today. God wants to get us into a position individually and the church in the kingdom and the churches in this land to get us into position so that we can carry more glory so what does he do for that to happen anybody know what he does he shakes everything that can be shaken he gets the individual and he shakes them he gets the church and he shakes her to get us in position to carry more glory. Haggai chapter 2 and verse 6 to 7. I'm going to read this in the Amplified. Haggai 2 and verse 6 to 7. It says, For thus says the Lord of hosts, once more, in a little while, I'm going to shake the heavens and the earth, the sea and the dry land. I will shake all the nations and they will come with the desirable and the precious things of all nations. Some translations say the treasures of all nations. And I will fill this house with glory and splendor, says the Lord of hosts. It is a shaking of absolutely everything. Not just things or people that are wrong, everything and every person. If you notice here in verse 6, it says the heavens and the earth. The heavens are shaken too. The heavens. They're shaken too. Not just the earth. The heavens are shaken, even releasing new things, new levels, new anointings. Amen. The heavens and the earth are shaken. And you know what? Shaking is hard. And if you've experienced it in your own life, shaking is painful. It exposes cracks. Do you remember when Pastor Colleen was here a number of months ago? She, she talked about cracked pots. Do you remember that message? Or cracked pots. We've got cracks. So you can turn to your neighbor and say, you're just a cracked pot. Yeah. 
Tell your neighbor you're a proud boy. So he's going to expose areas. He's going to expose cracks. The word exposes cracks when you read the word. It says it's for instruction, for reproof, and for correction. When you read it. But he's going to expose cracks in your marriage. Anybody ever had a crack in their marriage exposed? Mm -hmm. I have. Cracks in relationships, areas in our heart that aren't right, character flaws, he's going to reveal it. And the reason is not to shame, it's not to shame me. It's not to condemn me or you. It's God wants us fixed so we can carry more glory. Amen. That means if he just leaves us on our own, we're going to be cracked, pots, leaking out all over the place and not able to contain the glory that he wants us to contain. Amen. And I'm hungry for the glory. And so I will let him put me through whatever he has to, to refine whatever he needs to. You know, our foundations need to be strong. You know, if you're building, if you're building another story under your house or an extension, particularly another story, because if you were gonna build up, you have to go dig deep and go down. But you have to go back down to foundations and sometimes you have to strengthen those foundations before you build higher. And that's what's happening at BCC at the moment. You know, it feels like we're being stripped back, right back to our foundations. <clears throat> and it's lovely to hear that prophetic word because that spoke of foundations. I think some, one of the things said was that uh, the desk of this house hasn't changed, but it did refer to... Um, the start of that, the, the ministry or something yeah. like that, spoke of foundations. BCC is being stripped back to foundations and it's not comfortable. But you know what? Even with it, there's an excitement because like even in the, um, in the natural realm, when you're building on extension, when you're adding to your house or to your home, there's an excitement that you're going to have another room or another story or something like that or another extension. But you know, for that to happen, everything's got to be cleared out of that room and cleared out of the way before the builders, before the, de the demolishers all come in. It's all got to be moved. And that means moving all the furniture, moving bits and pieces to other rooms in the house. And the whole house is upset for the whole time that they're building that extra extension or that extra story. It's not nice. It gets worse before it gets better. But the good thing is it gets better. The good thing is there's expansion. The good thing is there's growth. The good thing is in that house there's more room to move around and to do things and to welcome more people into your house. It's all good. But there's a period of time pretty rough. And depending what room you're working on, you may not even have an oven. I remember one time when we were getting a new kitchen in Maxwell Road years ago and uh, they brought in, was it the little blue gas cooker, Mum? Little blue ga gas cooker. And this t tiny little oven that was set up in the dining room and so that was our kitchen. And they were doing the best that they could and everything was topsy-turvy for quite a while. To top it all off, Mum had gone and broken her leg. She was out of action. Isn't that right, Mum? She'd gone out, out, out ice skating and was put out of action. I was at university and Deborah, my younger sister, she was playing mummy and she was that was her kitchen at that time. But when that beautiful kitchen was installed, all of us kids were very, very happy. Mum was the most happiest because it was a beautiful big kitchen and it was all open plan onto a living room and you know it just changed the dynamics of family life for us because it opened everything up and even though we lived in a large house and there was a number of other rooms we could have met in do you know the room we met in the most 
was that room with the big brown kitchen and the living room off it. That was where the family congregated and actually was the warmest room in the house as well. You know, when you grow up in a big old house, it can be cold. It was lovely and warm. So, um, you know, God has increased manifestations of his presence, increased people that he wants to reach in this place, in this nation, amen, where he wants them housed. And I just want to turn to Haggai chapter 1 here. Um, you know, some people were saying at this time, it's not the time to change things. It's not the time to maybe do the renovation or to do this or to do that. And even probably in, in a house with a husband and wife, you can have that sort of conversation going on. Maybe some of you have experienced it. Maybe the wife's saying, it is time for the kitchen. And the husband's he holding the, the purse string. He says, no, it's not the time for the kitchen. And you can have this, this going on, this ranking back and forward. And this is sort of what was happening a wee bit in Haggai. Haggai chapter 1. And I'm reading here from the New Living Translation. Starting at verse 1, it says, on, on August 29th, the second year of King Darius' reign, the Lord gave a message to the prophet Haggai to Zerubbabel, the governor of Judah, and to Joshua the high priest. And this is what the Lord of heaven's army says. The people are saying, the time has not yet come to rebuild the house of the Lord. So there was a wee bit of, you know, going back and forwards here. The people were saying it's not time to rebuild the house. But here the people were wrong. Because God was saying it was a time. Verse 3, the Lord sent this message through the prophet Haggai, saying... Why are you living in luxurious houses while my house lies in ruins? And this is what the Lord of the heaven army says. Look at what's happening to you. You've planted much but you harvest little. You eat but you're not satisfied. You drink but you're thirsty. You put on clothes but you can't keep warm. Your wages disappear as though you were putting them in pockets filled with holes. And this is what the Lord of the heavenly army says. Look at what's happening to you. Go up to the hills, bring down timber, and rebuild my house. Then I will take pleasure in it and be honoured, says the Lord. You hoped for rich harvests, but they were poor. And when you brought your harvest home, I blew it away. Why? Because my house lies in ruins, says the Lord of heaven's armies, while all of you are building your own fine houses. So, Here's an account, and we'll read on a wee minute. Here's an account where the Lord said, this is a time to rebuild my house. But there were people who were saying, no, it's not. But instead of rebuilding his house, they were busy building their own. And the Lord brought correction to them. And he brought correction through Haggai. Here, he sent Haggai. It's always important to listen to a leader or that has been sent. A leader that has been appointed by God, not a self-appointed leader. Anywhere you are, find out God's appointment and listen to them. But somebody who self-appoints, I beg you, don't listen to them. Because you will be led astray. That's the way all through the scripture you can read them. Skip down to verse 12. It says, Then Zerubbabel and Joshua the high priest and the whole remnant of God's people, because God always has a remnant, they began to obey the message from the Lord their God. All through this word, it talks about obedience, 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 obedience. But yet in the body of Christ, obedience is a dirty word. Yet he gave his life for us and he loves us dearly. We are called to obey this word and any rhema he gives. When they heard the words of the prophet Haggai, whom the Lord their God had sent, the people feared the Lord. And you know, as I was reading that passage, what I really sense in my heart is the fear of the Lord needs to come back into the church. Amen. The fear of the Lord needs to come back into Banker Community Church. 
The fear of the Lord needs to come back into the churches all through Northern Ireland and Ireland. And the fear of the Lord needs to come back into the church worldwide. And this is the time that we're coming into right now for the end time harvest. The fear of the Lord. Because the church has not been operating in the fear of the Lord. And by fear we all know that it's not you're frightened of the Lord. It means you reverence him and you respect him and his word and his self-appointed leader, his appointed leaders and anointed leaders. You honor him in that. That you will do whatever he has asked of you to do. And it, this is what is happening throughout the body of Christ, throughout different churches I hear of, whether you're hearing on YouTube or whether you're hearing from other pastors, the fear of the Lord is being returned to the church. In verse 13 it says, Then Haggai, the Lord's messenger, gave this people this message from the Lord. And what was the message? I am with you, says the Lord. I am with you. And it's so wonderful that we know that when God is with us, there's nothing that we can't do. There's absolutely nothing that we cannot do when we have revelation and we understand and we know, not just with head knowledge, but I know that I know that I know that my God is with me. And if my God is with me, no devil of hell can stop me. And if my God is with me, what he has promised he will fulfill, as he even spoke to Mary in Luke chapter 1 and he says he, she who has believed him, there will be a fulfillment of that word and that we need to take that word and have a fulfillment, see the fulfillment of it, amen whatever God has said in here whatever rhema, whatever prophetic word has been spoken over your life, that you witness with it there and then take it Moreover, receive it. Remember, remember that word that Prophet Clem Ferris spoke about warring over that prophetic word? Believing it, getting it out regularly, and speaking it into being. Amen? Verse 14. So the Lord sparked the enthusiasm of Zerubbabel, the governor of Judah, and the enthusiasm of Joshua, the high priest, and the enthusiasm of the whole remnant of God's people, and they began to work on the house of their God, so that's awesome. So a people that started out said, no, it's not the time to rebuild. Repented. And they obeyed. And they forsook what they were doing. And they came and they started to rebuild the house of the Lord. First Peter in chapter 4 and 17. And again I'm reading in the Amplified. It says, for it is the time destined for judgment to begin with the household of God. And this message is not just here for BCC, but this is a message for the kingdom of God at this time. It is a time destined for judgment to begin with the household of God. And if it begins with us, what will be the outcome for those who do not respect or believe or obey the gospel of God? Because judgment for the, for the children of God is considered discipline. And we're going to read about that in just a minute. Judgment or discipline by the Lord for his people. When you talk about judgment for his people, it's not judgment whether you go to heaven or hell. That's for unbelievers. Judgment of God oftentimes is referred to as discipline. And it's, uh, it's designed to purge sin from our lives. And to teach us obedience. That's why discipline is brought to bear of judgment. And that's what it means. It begins in the house of the Lord. Just like a loving father doesn't discipline the kids down the street. Because they're not his. I wouldn't think of going into somebody else's house. When the mum was telling off James for doing something. And, and I wouldn't go and say you shouldn't be doing that. No because that is not my house and that is not my son. I discipline my children. So a loving father doesn't think of going down and disciplining other kids. A father disciplines his own children. And likewise, the discipline of our father, father God, it begins with his own household, with his children, with the church. And it's nothing to do with that final judgment. 
the ultimate judgment of the wicked that have rejected him. So we're going to read in Hebrews chapter 5. Again, I'm reading in the Amplified Classic. Hebrews, oh, sorry, chapter 12, if you're taking notes. Hebrews chapter 12, verses 5 to 29. It says, My son, do not think lightly or scorn to submit to correction and the discipline of the Lord. Don't lose courage and give up and faint when you're reproved or corrected by him. Because what is it all for? It's because we're cracked pots. And because he wants us mended so we can carry more glory. And when we carry more glory, he will bring more correction to bear so that we can then carry more glory. And so it goes on. Verse 6, for the Lord corrects and disciplines everyone he loves and he punishes, even scourges every son whom he accepts and welcomes to the heart and cherishes. You must submit to and endure correction for discipline. And God is dealing with you as sons. For what son is there whom his father does not train and correct and discipline? Now, you, if you're exempt from correction and left without it, without discipline in which all of God's children share, then you're illegitimate offspring and not true sons at all. That's what the word says. Because I've heard a lot about love and we're called to love. But now I'm bringing the balance that there is discipline and the Lord disciplines like, a, like an earthly father and mother of discipline. So does the Lord. We need taught on these things because it's obvious that here in the church we haven't understood them. So God is dealing with us as sons. For what son is there if his father does not train and correct and discipline? Now if you're exempt from correction and left without discipline, in which all of God's children share, then you're illegitimate. We don't want to be that. Verse 9. Moreover, we have had earthly fathers who disciplined us, and we yielded to them, and we even respected them for training us. That reminds me of a, a friend I have. We grew up together. She was a pastor's daughter, so was I. The family knew her well. And she would have seen Dad correct us and correct me. But you know, when we got to the age of about 23, I remember her sitting down with me one time. She says, Karen, I so wish that I had that my father and mother corrected me the way I saw you corrected. Because there was a time in her life that her life just went off and she got into different things she just didn't need to get into. And she put it down to the fact that her father and mother didn't correct. She was an only girl. And she's basically, in her own words, said she could do whatever she wanted. That is not a loving father or mother letting their child do whatever they want. A loving father or mother will correct their children for the best for that child, and that is love. So it says here, we yielded and respected them for training us. An earthly father, shall we not much more cheerfully submit to the Father of Spirits, and then truly live. And this is what the fear of the Lord and honour in his house is being restored, because this is the word of God that I'm reading. For our earthly fathers disciplined us for only a short period of time and chastised us as seemed proper and good to them, but he disciplines us for our certain good, that we may become sharers in his holiness. For the time being, no discipline brings joy, but seems grievous and painful. But afterwards, it yields a peaceable fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. And there's a harvest of fruit which consists in righteousness, in conformity to God's will, in purpose, thought, action. So we have our thoughts. And then the actions coming out of those thoughts and it results in right living and standing with God. And if we go to verse 15, exercise forethought and be on watch to look after one another. See that no one falls back or fails to secure God's grace, his unmerited favor and spiritual blessing in order that no root of resentment no rancor or bitterness or hatred shoots forth and causes trouble and bitter torment and the many become contaminated and defiled by it. 
You know, we believers, we're commanded to take responsibility for others, for others that are walking with us, for other Christians who we see maybe slipping and head, slipping headlong into sin. James 5 and verse 20 talks about that. It says here, the root of bitterness, if you let it take root, it springs up and it contaminates many and many are defiled by it. I remember Pastor Brian, he brought an excellent word in that. That was on May 30th, you'll see it in the podcast. It's called Keeping Our Hearts Pure. I would encourage you to go back and listen to that message. Keeping Our Hearts Pure. And he really dealt with the fact of what bitterness, if you take hold of bitterness, or you let other people make you bitter, what it will do. I don't have time to go into that now, but I tell you what, where we are at BCC, nothing has taken me by surprise. I've documented notes, I've spoken to different people over the last month, I've even warned yourselves, around that same time, that same day, that was the 30th of May, I warned you all, stay in the plan of God. Does anybody remember me exhorting you to do that? Any hands? Anybody remember what I said? I said, stay in the plan of God. I, I talked about, I went back, and I, I talked about people can come in here because of the Pastor Roy Stewart months ago at a prayer meeting. He prophesied that hurting people are going to come in here. The marriages are going to be restored. So if marriages that are needing restored are going to come in here, what would that depict? That would depict that a marriage is already divided. They're having problems. So if they're having division problems and they come in, they're bringing a spirit of division with them, unknowingly, and you start to befriend them. And then if, if they don't get healed in time or they don't, we don't get the word into them in time and they get, they get uh, annoyed at something, they decide to leave the church because you've befriended them. I warned. If you've befriended someone who's got a divisive spirit operating and they've not been healed of it, then you could be pulled out of here. And I said, stay on the plan. And I think I said it for two weeks in a row. Stay on God's plan for your life, for your family. If he's planted you here, stay on the plan. If he says leave and be removed, then go. But otherwise, you stay, stay on the plan. Your judgment begins at the household of God. And it's, as we looked at, inclusive of church discipline. Church discipline is not for unbelievers, but it's for believers. And the Bible gives an example of church discipline in a local church. If you want to take notes, I'm not going to read it. It's uh, in the Church of Corinth. It's 1 Corinthians 5, verse 1 to 13. But in this particular case, the discipline led to excommunication. And the Apostle Paul gives some reasons for the discipline. And one of those reasons is that sin is like yeast. And if it is allowed to exist, it spreads to those nearby in the same way it says here, 1 Corinthians 5, 6-7, it says, A little yeast works through the whole batch of dough. And so... Paul was saying there's reasons why a church has to bring discipline to bear. Just like a father in a home has to bring discipline, there's reasons because if it's left undealt with, it can be just like that dough and it just goes through the whole batch of ruins. And if the disciplinary action taken against a member is successful in bringing about godly sorrow, and that because that's the reason for it, and true repentance. For that is the reason. Then that individual can be restored to fellowship. But even when church discipline fails to bring about repentance. And there's times it fails. Because everybody has a choice. Then church discipline is still needed. And one of the purposes is to maintain a good testimony with those in the world. Because those in the world are looking at us as Christians. As you know, I have exercises discipline in BCC on the 24th of July. However, many have ignored it. 
It's been said it's been unbiblical, even though it's in a membership form that, that any member in here has agreed to, that my father put in that membership form, excommunication, and anybody member has already signed that form and agreed to that. But since that, I've been told it's been unbiblical. I've been told it's been unloving even though we see it in the word. And have even continued, others have even continued to sow more discord into BCC members and regular attenders. Titus chapter 3 verse 10 to 11 in the New Living Translation says if people are causing divisions among you give them a first and second warning after that have nothing more to do with them for people like that have turned away from the truth and their own sins condemn them that's the word There's been a calling on that day for repentance. And God has given time for repentance. And he is long-suffering. The beautiful presence of the Lord here today, there's still time for that repentance. The Lord, through the prophetic word today, has said the destiny in this house has remained the same. <coughs> In your own time, if you want to look at chapters 2 and 3 of Ezekiel, Ezekiel was a watchman. And he was called to a rebellious, stubborn people. And he was told to eat the scroll, eat the words that God would give him, and the word of God, he was told to eat it. And even though he didn't want to, he, God put words in his mouth and he was a prophet and he was a watchman and he was told to say certain words and to give it out. And you know what? If he didn't give the warnings out, he was going to be held accountable with the people that the warnings were to. I was reading those chapters yesterday and the Lord uh, reminded me that Yes, I'm a leader in this house and I'm a you know, senior pastor and everything. But in February, I was at a women's conference, or leaders conference it was. I think I told the department heads about it. It was uh, Prophet um, Betty King. And she went round the different leaders at the end. Maria was there. And she prayed. And when she came to me, she prayed, I activate the watchman anointing. I have that recorded. And the, the church, your church, is a church called Intercession, which I knew already. And when I was reading through Ezekiel chapters 2 and 3, which I'd love you to read when you go home or when you can, I was reminded, the Lord said, he's called me as a watchman. So I looked up a little bit about a watchman and what a watchman does. And we know a watchman in the Old Testament times they would have been in the walls and they would have seen for the enemy coming. And as soon as they got sign of the enemy, what they were to do was to sound an alarm. And I have been sounding a quiet alarm for quite a while, coming up to these recent events. And then whenever the Lord instructed me to bring the discipline to bear, and the final part of that was on the 24th of of July, um, the Lord gave me specific words to say, just like what I had read in Ezekiel 2 and 3. So like it says in Ezekiel 2 or 3, the people then have a choice to hear and receive or to reject. Because I've given the word 
And so far, there's been no repentance. I'm believing there will be. I don't want anybody to leave this church. But if Maria and Mark can just come. I believe if God has set you here and he's put you here, then he's got a plan for you here. But I believe there's things that also need to be corrected from recent events. And I believe just to give opportunity this morning as we're going to pray and we're going to just respond. So I want to give opportunity to respond to this word. Because I believe that the Lord, if just all eyes are closed, I believe the Lord has given an opportunity here for repentance, and it's open repentance. Since I, as a senior pastor of the house, have, have given the discipline that God has instructed me to do. So I'm not a self-appointed leader, I'm a God-appointed leader. I've been sent to BCC. I've been voted in by you all. Everything constitutionally, but before that, spiritually, has been correct. And the Lord says, you have a choice to make today. The Lord says, my plan for this house has not changed. My plan for your life has not changed. For I have set you in this house. With your giftings and with your talents and with your abilities. But today I ask, examine your heart. For the Lord says, I see your heart. Examine your heart. For I'm calling you to repentance this morning. And if you repent and stay on my plan, I can do great things with you and through you. But if you don't trust even the leader, the pastor in this house, who I've set sent among you. You're free to quietly leave. And don't disturb. And don't stand against. And don't meddle with my plan for my house at Biker Community Church. talking as a pastor here I've heard some things come back to me to say and I've heard even one person actually told me himself I'm just waiting and hanging around to see what will happen but as a pastor here I'm encouraging you you lean into God don't hang around and wait what's going to happen God has not told me to go anywhere And that is the way he works with his appointed leaders. Unless they're in gross sin or they're preaching heresy. And I've done neither of those. You need to get with the Lord and you need to ask him, do you want me to remain in BCC? Or have you another house you want me to be part of?
the Lord calls you to decide that. You have a choice to make. Anything else is just rebellion. It's rebellion to the word. It's rebellion to the discipline that I have brought to bear in the house. I've prayed for you. I've cried out to the Lord for each of you. My heart is not against any of you. But I do realize that every person has a choice. So just as Maria leads us in worship this morning, I'll open these altars. If you want to come say sorry for anything in your life, it does not need to be even this present thing. Anything. The whole thing was God wants his teachings. God wants us in position to carry more glory. He wants to get rid of cracks. Maybe that's a crack in your marriage this morning. Maybe that's a crack in... in uh, Maybe that's a crack between you and you. Maybe that's a re crack called rebellion. Maybe that's a crack called misunderstanding. I just want to speak the name of Jesus Over every heart and every mind I know there is peace within this place. I speak Jesus. I just want to speak the name of Jesus. Till every dark addiction starts to break.
I just want to release this song of your house. And it's called Justice. And it's in Isaiah where it says, I will make a way in the wild. Streams in the I will make a way in the wild. Streams in the desert I will bring life. So I want to sing this for me. I will restore what's been stolen. I will do something bright. I am making a way in the wild. Streams in the desert, oh, I will bring life. I will restore what's been stolen. I will do something brand new. I am making a way in the wild. Streams in the desert, oh, I will bring life. I will bring life.
this word. Turn around to Judah and Israel. And Charles. And Charles who? But I, uh, I was looking at verse 12. The words wrong to verse 12. It says, Now therefore, say to the Lord, turn to me with, with all your hearts, with all your fasting, with all your weeping, with your mourning. So repent your hearts, not rent your hearts, not your garments. Return to the Lord your God. For he is gracious and mercy and slow to anger and great kindness. And he relents from doing harm. And in verse 23, be glad and you children of Zion and rejoice in the Lord your God. For he has given you the former rain faithfully, and he will cause the rain to come down to you for you. The former rain and the latter rain in the first month. The threshing floor shall be full of wheat, and your vats shall overflow. cities will fall, but his judgment is just for all. Our sins are laid before us. Do not be deceived. False prophets have spoken and made people believe. They have fortified their houses, their cities they keeps. Their hearts have grown cold and soon he will speak. My, watch, my watchmen wake up and sound the alarm. Repent, repent and cry out for our God. Represented. If you want to come talk to me about any of those things, come and talk. If you choose to listen to those things, that's totally your choice. I don't want to see any of you unnecessarily leave. That is my heart. But this house can't carry on the way it's presently going. So we need to talk make decisions this week because God is a great destiny. Prayers here Tuesday night. Come. Come to pray. Come to the outreach.
God loves each and every one of us intimately. He wants the best for each of us. Each of us. Each of our children and grandchildren. He has the best plan for us. So be led by the Spirit. Check your heart. Church.co.uk or find us on Facebook.